Welcome to another episode of Big Risk Energy. I'm your host, Roy Samuel. I'm a serial entrepreneur, having founded multiple businesses, including one that I scaled and sold to a gaming company. I've been an investor for the last five years, and I'm super passionate about neurodiversity, suffering with severe ADHD and dyslexia. On this podcast, we talk to an incredible range of people, from actors to academics, investors to entrepreneurs, musicians, politicians, scientists, and everyone in between. We talk to these people about risk, risk they've taken in their lives, risk they've taken in their careers, when they paid off and when they didn't. And on today's show, I'm blessed to be joined by the one and only Joseph Black, who is the co-founder of Unitasker, formerly EY Young Entrepreneur of the Year, and a fully qualified park ranger. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. So, super interesting career. Like we had, we spoke a few weeks ago. You've done so many interesting things. Obviously, entrepreneurial to the core with everything that you've built. But obviously, the one that sticks out here is being a fully qualified. The elephant in the room, right? (laughs) (laughs) The elephant in the room, exactly that. Park ranger. Where does where does that all fit in? Honestly, it's a bit of a strange story. Um, I think when I was 16, uh, I was blessed to go on a safari with my parents. And fortunately, the owner of the safari lodge was there at the time. And being myself, I managed to convince him to fly me out for my 16-year-old work experience. So that was kind of my first touch point. Um, Flew out there when I was 16, worked about a month and a half out there, and absolutely loved it. Then I guess when it came to finishing my A-levels, um, I didn't want to follow the herd, as it were, straight to university. I wanted to, you know, really go and explore that kind of passion for wildlife and nature a little further. Um, so I embarked on an eco-training safari ranger course. It was initially a 12-month course. Yeah. Craziest experience of my life. I mean, we went for everything from astrology to geology to, um, you know, advanced rifle handling to birding to tracking. Um, wow. I got my level four tracking. No um, way. I yeah. don't even know what tracking is. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, tracking, like you'd follow um, animal tracks, skirts, right. um, dunk, whatever it is to actually navigate your way and find like the animal at the end of the day. Um, so it was a cra- absolutely crazy year. Um, I, you know, I had experiences whereby I had elephants putting their tusks through my car, chasing me. No um, way. Got chased up trees by lions, had a fist fight with a baboon. Um, <laughs> I once even woke up to in a hyena's nose facing through my tent because I literally lived in a tent for a year practically. Um, and it was nuts. And then when I finished doing the course, I went off to work in a number of reserves where I ended up doing um, anti-poaching protection. So I did close wow. rhino protection. Wow, mm. that's insane. I mean, imagine being a bouncer for a rhino. I mean, that is like, you know, you, you must be a hard motherfucker. I mean, that is being a bouncer for a rhino. That's, that's, that's impressive. There, there was a bit of training. There was a bit of training. I mean, a lot of the time you're sat there kind of with your night vision goggles, just yeah. watching it, making sure no one's encroaching. Um, but we did a lot of game relocations. So I used to, you know, occasionally I'd go up in a helicopter where wow. we'd essentially relocate animals when poachers were encroaching in that territory uh, to move them to a safer location. Wow. Um, so super interesting, yeah. That's insane. I mean, uh, unbelievable. I mean, so many, so many unbelievable stories in that. Now, did you think that that was your calling, like when you were there? Because taking yourself out of that, like being in nature, seeing these amazing things, living these, you know, experiences that money can't buy, mm. right? How, how did you feel about going back into the commercial world after? Is that difficult? Is that something still in your heart that you want to go back to? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Um, Super interesting. I mean, I've always been passionate about wildlife. Um, I'll always have that part of me. I'm fortunate that I was able to experience it at such a young age and there was a number of lessons that I took from it that, you know, I'll hold on to. 
Um, do I want to eventually, you know, end up back there? Potentially, um, you know, my dream, like even since starting the company has always been to one day have my own plot of land out there and have my nice. own like safari lodge. Um, so that's been a big driver, uh, which has pushed me today as well. That's amazing. I mean, I, I love to hear your driver as well, because my driver is to get to space. That's love what it. I do, I want to do. I, I just want to, you know, like, you know, when people talk about the perspective you get from traveling, yeah. I feel like the perspective you would get of seeing the curvature of the earth, like the perspective you would get of going to space. Yeah, because I, and do you think your experiences there has changed the way that you view the world? Definitely, definitely. You know, there's been a number of experiences that I can recall which have changed me as a person. Um, you know, for example, um, going back to when I was 16, doing that work experience for the, for the first time out there, uh, there was this guy that worked on the lodge called Cyril. Like, really nice guy. Um, didn't have a phone, no electricity. And one day, he, you know, he asked me to come back and vi visit his village. So I was like, hell yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna come see what this is about. Um, I went back to his village and it took us about three hours trekking through the bush to get there. You get there, there's two rooms. One's a super simplistic kind of, you know, cement block essentially, uh, where he's got a single bed, his three children live on the floor. He's got a small room next to it, it's his kitchen, no running water, no electricity. His dad was staying in a hut out in the garden. But this guy was the happiest man I had ever met wow. in my life. And you know, no perception of what else is out there, just mm. what he's got in front of him. And I think that's one of, you know, it definitely humbled me. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's incredible. Where do you think happiness comes from? What do you think drives people's happiness? It's, yeah, it's really interesting. I think there can be a number of drivers for happiness. I think everyone's unique in their own way um, when it comes to locating happiness. I think nowadays it's often harder to find your happiness because of social media and you know um, what it puts out there to the world and that constant fight to you know want to be that other person. Um, you know, I think it's important that one finds happiness in themselves. Mm. Um, otherwise, I'd argue that you couldn't truly be happy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And when you finished your time as a park ranger, what do you go back to? And is that a tough transition? Yeah, it was, it was weird. Um, I mean, it could have been weirder. I mean, ultimately, I applied to study animal genetics at Manchester Metropolitan. So whilst I was leaving the bush, um, I was still able to kind of pursue that, that you know, hunger to learn more in, like, in that kind of space. Um, and, and I loved it. You know, my course was fantastic. I it was doing incredibly well when I was there. Uh, I think I left when I was on a first. I didn't finish university. Yeah. Um, it was in my it was in my first year, and I guess my co-founder Ollie's second year when we kind of stumbled into what was, and I guess still is, the student financial crisis, and that really triggered um, us to try and tackle it. So, student financial crisis, big term. Talk to me. What is it? Educate us. Yeah. No, it's interesting. So, you know, I think at the time, I had a number of you know, peers um, who were either A, leaving university because they couldn't afford the cost of living, mm -hmm. or B, they were graduating, but yet they didn't have the experience they needed to go into their sector of choice. And, yeah. you know, for Ollie and myself, this was a pivotal flaw in, you know, the current education to employment system. And we thought given a safe platform, students could not only build this experience, but also become more financially stable throughout their studies. I think also, you know, when you touch on like mental health as well, for example, a big cause of student anxiety and student mental health comes with that financial well-being. Um, so for Ollie and I um, to be able to play a small part even in trying to help solve that uh, mm. was a mission that we were ready to embark on. Yeah, yeah, and I can imagine now with the cost of living crisis where it is, I read an article recently, it was on the front page of the BBC mm. about students who are just struggling to get by. 
absolutely. And, and, and you know, and that's the beauty of the Unitasker platform. You know, students can, can really kind of touch on what they're studying and become their own boss. You know, they set their own hours, their own wage, they're in charge. Um, and so how does it work? How, how does it help? So let's say I'm a I'm yeah. broke student, I come across Unitasker, you know, how, how is this going to help me? Yeah, cool. So I guess firstly, um, you know, the platform's available to students from anywhere between the ages of 16 to 25. Uh, you don't specifically need to be at university. Okay. You could be, you know, just finishing your GCSEs, unsure about what that next chapter looks like. Mm. You could be in college. You could be, a, you know, a master's student or having just completed your PhD. Um, the way it works, it's very simple. It's a free app. It's um, both on iOS, Android and web. Students can sign up for free. When they sign up, they're um, pushed to essentially fill out their Unitasker CV so we can kind of pull in any prior experience. Um, imagine LinkedIn, but for students. Um, and then once students are through the platform, they set a series of different triggers and alerts that they'd like to receive jobs notifications on. Uh -huh. That way, when a job's posted, the right students are notified and mm -hmm. they can make bids on the work. That's really cool. And am I right in saying you dropped out of uni to pursue this? Yeah. Feels like a big risk. Yeah, ma massive risk. Um, you know, I think, as I kind of said before, at the time I was doing really well in my course. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. It was something I was passionate about, but it wasn't quite enough. You know, I think given what Ollie and I had seen, you know, I think uh, there, was a, there was a particular story. Uh, one of our friends uh, was going through a really hard time. Um, he, his mum, I think, had passed away at the time. He was really struggling to kind of keep stable. Um, mm. And he had to drop out of university because he couldn't afford that cost of living. He didn't have someone that could support him at home. And I think that was a big trigger for Ollie and I to also try and get involved, to do something to help him hear him even. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, so I dropped out in my, in my second year. Um, it, it was scary. Um, I think, you know, ultimately I'm a big advocate of university, but also not university. Mm -hmm. I think it very much depends on the course you're taking mm -hmm. and you know, the specialty factors behind it. Um, for me, I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. Um, I absolutely love business. Um, you know, from being a young kid, I grew up in Spain on a golf course yeah. and I realized the exact area where, um, you know, golfers would hook their ball and yeah. they'd lose it nine out of 10 times, <laughs> terrible golfers. So uh, I used to package up golf balls uh, that come into like neighbor's gardens over yeah. the years and sit on that exact corner where I knew they'd hook them so I could sell them. I must've been 11 and I was turning over a few thousand pounds a weekend <laughs> just, just on the golf course. Um, it's, a good, it's a good market. It's an uh, absolutely uh, aspirational market there. 100% great market. I, you know, I'd go back to it now. <laughs> yeah. um, and then even Ollie and I, when we went to school, you know, we both sold um, sweets together in the playground. So That's you guys cool. are friends from? Yeah, yeah. So Ollie early. and I went to school together. I was a full-time boarder because my parents lived in Spain. Right. We lived literally probably 100 meters away from the school. So he was very much my escape. Um, right. So. <laughs> nice. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. And what did people say when you told them you were dropping out to pursue this full-time? Um, I think, you know, the standard kind of speculations regarding it. Are you sure? What if it doesn't work? What are you going to do? And to be honest, it didn't worry me because, yeah. you know, I believe in myself and what yeah. I'm capable of. Um, I think my parents were incredibly supportive from the offset. They didn't see me becoming a vet or, you know, working with animals longer term. So they, they stood behind me from, from the day one. Yeah, amazing. And how long did it take for you to realize, yes, we've made the right decision here? Oh, years. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it was, you know, I was happy for like, you know, you, you asked about happiness before. Yeah. I, I was happy from the second I made that decision. It felt like a massive weight off my shoulders. I felt like I had the luxury of being able to, you know, cross over between both university and starting my own business. So I got the experience of both and yeah. the business was the route I wanted to go in. 
Um, I don't have any regrets. You know, mm. that's not to say it wasn't incredibly challenging for years, as you'd know. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. And for people listening to this right now, what what does what do those lows feel like? Especially, I think when you know, similarly, I dropped out while doing my masters, yeah. right, to, to continue doing real sport. And in the tough days and tough moments and tough weeks, it's like, did I make the right one? I mean, you, you know, you can't second guess yourself in that way, but. You know, what does that feel like when you're, yeah. when you're questioning? Can I ask, did, did you have a co-founder? I did at that time, yeah. Okay, so I have such incredible respect for solo founders. I'm um, one now. Yeah, so, yeah, well, big up, because <laughs> that is, that's, that's got to be hard. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm a total fucking masochist. Oh, yeah, 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 100%. Um, no, I feel incredibly grateful to have had um, Ollie by my side the entire time. I think it's very hard for anyone else, even regardless of how close they are within the business, to mm. understand the highs and lows that you go through as a founder. So having someone that's on that same level that can really share those kind of turbulent times with yeah. you has been important. Um, and did you ever have any worries about going into business with your best mate? To be honest, no. Um, I think, only, I, you know, we got told by pretty much everyone, are you sure this is a good idea? Like, what if this goes wrong? It's going to affect your friendship. No, I, I'd say that we haven't really had one disagreement in it's the amazing. seven years that we've been working together. Yeah. We actually live together as well. Um, so, so you we, guys are we, just married we, at this yeah, stage, pretty right? Pretty much, pretty much. I mean, his girlfriend probably wouldn't agree with that. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're, we're incredibly close. And, you know, we respect each other. We trust each other. Um, I think in the early days, we did everything together. Mm -hmm. So um, I think getting to the point in the business where we actually understood our individual skill sets and be able to split them out was a really important stepping stone. Because yeah. now, you know, he heads up our product and design team. I head up our partnerships and sales team. Yeah. And we trust each other's judgment. If there's something we disagree on, we'll talk about it um, but usually we'll get through it in a that's that's awesome advice as well and it's something that I tell anyone who does have a co-founder you've got to make sure that you both understand what you're looking after one of the issues we made at real sport is we were co-ceos mm. and you can be co-founders but co-ceo both working on commercial both working on fundraising both working mm. on the same things and it's not that we didn't get on or anything like that but it's just you know you need leadership and it's hard to do co-leadership on one thing Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, it's interesting. I think we've, you know, worked with each other really well over the years. It's been a, a balancing act. Yeah. Um, but now I feel very fortunate. And what about sacrifice? Because obviously dropping out, you know, uni for a lot of people, that's the time where you are having the most fun in your life. Mm. That's the time where you are living responsibility free. Yeah. I chose the same thing as you did, having, you know, just loading up responsibilities very early on. But what do you feel about that sacrifice? Yeah, I think there's been a lot of sacrifice along the way. Um, personal relationships, um, romantic relationships, yeah. um, family, friends, everything, really. I think I've, I've been surrounded by a good network of people. I'd like to think that I've chosen my friends wisely. People that haven't really supported me along the ways so have fiddled out. Yeah. Um, I, you know, but there, there has been an awful lot of sacrifice. Yeah. Um, but I don't regret it. You know, I think Ollie and I, as people, um, we're very good at expressing how we're feeling um, and our friends have been really along this journey with us and, and we wouldn't be you know where we are not say that we're where we want to be yet but we wouldn't be where we are without the support of our friends and family I've never met a great entrepreneur who's where they want to be yet yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> it's true never it's always moving <laughs> always moving constant grind a hundred percent and but some of the things you guys have achieved are insane like some of the brands that you guys work with tell us about that yeah thanks so I think 
like firstly, for anyone listening, there's a few facets to our business. I think when you collect such a mass database of students, of which now we have a quarter of a million students on the platform, um, there's a number of ways in which you can monetize. So firstly, we've got the Unitasker platform, uh -huh. whereby students can tap into this uh, network of jobs, essentially, of which recently um, we've got a few interesting partnerships I can get on into a bit uh, coming there, which will expand that side. Secondly, uh, well, actually tied into the first one, we found that our most popular category on the app was essentially influencer marketing. So we essentially looked at building out additional technology called Shout, where we could tap into that same network of students, but as an army of nano influencers. Love it. Um, so last year we were, we were mentioned by TikTok as having the largest network of nano influencers in the world. Wow. We've now got 150,000 small accounts with a combined 500 million followers. Wow. Um, and that's really what's enabled us to work with your larger kind of corporate names. So, you know, we've done a lot of work with like Spotify, Uber, um, to, to name a few, Warner Brothers. Um, it's ever-changing. Um, there's constantly new brands coming into the pipeline wanting to kind of tap into this network of students for that more authentic, engaging content. But even on like the actual job platform side, you know, yesterday, for example, GoPuff posted a task. I was just sat down having dinner and they're looking for some students to cycle around town wearing their outfit just for a new marketing campaign. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's, it's ever-ending. It's very cool. It's amazing. I mean, do you look at that now and say, you know, obviously you're still so young, mm. like you're still such an early part of your journey, mm. but like, look at that and be like, wow, I, I'm working with brands, which anyone in the world would want to work with and be able to be proud of that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I remember when Ollie and I were working in our basement and we used to have a hit list of, you know, like five brands that we'd like to work with and we've nailed every single one of them. <laughs> yeah, what, uh, who were the five, do you remember? Yeah, I mean, like Red Bull uh, was up there. That was a really cool win. Um, Uber was up there. Spotify was up there. Um, Universal Music was up there. Um, God, what is it? Also, like, uh, so recently I signed uh, Tyson Fury's energy drink brand, Ferocity. Oh yeah, um, you told me, yeah. Which, which is awesome, like, they're, they're a great client. I mean, Tyson even recorded a video to welcome back my students to university uh, for this freshers, which is awesome. I went to his fight the other day. Um, oh, nice. Big up, Tyson. Um, but yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, See, that, that's cool. And it's, I think, you know, getting someone like Tyson Fury who, it's probably like got one of the most engaged audiences in the world at the moment, <laughs> like genuinely like one of the yeah. most powerful influences in the world at the moment to engage with what you're doing, like speaks volumes about the hustle side of being an entrepreneur. And it's something which I, I, and I said this to you when we first spoke a couple of months ago, like I do think there are a lot of great functional founders, mm -hmm. people who may be great marketeers, great technologists, but the hustle that you need to make things happen, like the hustle that you need to turn these like insane opportunities, which no one who is functional would ever go for, is such a key part of being a great entrepreneur and it's something you've done so well. Definitely, and you know, a big part of it is manifestation, right? I'm a big advocate of manifestation. You gotta believe. Um, 100%. I'm putting stuff out there the whole time that yeah. hasn't happened yet, but it will. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I totally believe that. Now, I have, interesting views on reality in the sense mm. that I do believe we live in a simulation mm -hmm. and I do believe that if you can understand that the fabric of the program allows you to achieve anything you want that genuinely you can make anything happen so I don't believe manifestation in necessarily like a cosmic way yep. but I believe in that 
if you think that you can make it happen yeah. and you work towards it, you can make it happen. Definitely, it's, it's all about positive and negative energy, right? Yeah. And if you put enough positive energy into something that you want to happen, you can make it happen. 100%. It's not to say I'm going to be a footballer tomorrow. Yeah, it might, might be a bit late for me on that one. You take but your wins. The, the, the best example is Michael Jordan didn't make his high school basketball team. Yeah. He, didn't make, he wasn't good enough. Yeah. And yeah, do you know what I mean? It's like one, like stories like that editing is true. And you talk about manifestation, like I'm a big sports fan, but mm. that's the reason why, you know, um, sports team hire sports psychologists because they get you to envision, mm. envisage, envision. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Either one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Scoring that winning penalty. Yeah. Right? Hopefully someone from the England team is listening to this and getting people to really imagine getting into the back of the net. But yeah, yeah absolutely that. It's about thinking that it can happen and making it come to reality. So is that something that you would say has characterized a big part of your journey? Yeah, d d definitely, definitely. I'm a firm believer. Uh, my mum's a big advocate of it. Um, and I've always kind of been pushed to kind of believe in that way. Um, but, you know, it's one thing manifesting something. It's another thing actually going out there and getting it. Yeah. And you've got to put yourself in the right place. You know, I think my mum's always said to me, you know, you do what you can with what you got with where you yeah. are, essentially. Um, and I think you've got to put yourself in that right place. If you're sat at home, yeah, you might have the most incredible product in the world, but if you're sat at home and you're not getting out there and communicating with people that can help act as that driver to take you forward, you're going to struggle to really elevate yourself. 100%. So you've got to be in it to win it. You've got to take every opportunity. Definitely. And what is your view on taking opportunities that you aren't ready for yet in terms of big brand comes to you and says, we want X. And you're like, yeah, knowing that, you know, with what you've got right now, you can't deliver it, but you've got to go for it anyway. How do you see that? <laughs> it's, that's a really good question. I think there's a fine line. Um, I think if something's on, I mean, look, at the beginning, I made a lot of mistakes being a yes man, where I would say yes to absolutely everything because I didn't want to turn down an opportunity. And, you know, sometimes you learn the hard way mm -hmm. that some opportunities are better passing because actually later down the line, it could have resulted in perhaps more. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, I'll always try and, you know, do a risk analysis of what, what we can achieve with any given kind of deal. Um, but, you know, sometimes you have to take risks. Um, you know, for example, we've recently launched in the US, like brand new, and we've got brands approaching us that are looking to run heavy scale campaigns that, you know, quite honestly, we are not well prepped <laughs> to do. Um, but that being said, we've now got ourselves into a position so we can execute on them. Uh, we're signing up almost a thousand um, members a day in the US wow. right now. I think we've been consecutively in the App Store charts since we launched about a month and a half ago there. That's insane. I mean, unbelievable. Well done. Well done. Talk to me about winning EY Young Entrepreneur of the Year. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, it, was, it was a cool experience. Um, it was in partnership at the time with um, the TAB as well. They were running a university student competition called Founders 30. Um, it was scary. I mean, we, it was an initial kind of voting element to it. Then we ended up coming in to um, pitch on a stage. Uh -huh. um, it was very much Dragon's Den style. Um, Ollie and I, in our uni tasker or uni dosh at the time, probably gear, um, just kind of getting ready for it. We nailed our pitch. We answered all the questions correctly. And then we received a small investment from EY as a result of it. So it was, a, it was a really cool experience. I think uh, Ollie and I, in our early days, really put ourselves out there on the competition front. We practically won like 90% of whatever competitions we entered. Um, I mean, we were invited, I think like a year into our business, we were invited to Webbit Foundation to pitch um, on stage um, in like a startups competition. We won um, co-working space for a year in the Shard with the office group. No that, was, that was pretty <laughs> epic. Um, yeah, no. That's really interesting. But again, I think it goes back to just, 
you know, your drive to, to be in it, to win it. Um, and where do you see the future with this? Where, where do you see yourself in, in a few years' time with Unitasker? Yeah, I mean, I'm incredibly excited. I've probably never been as excited as I am right now for, for the future of Unitasker. Uh, we've got a lot of big moves that we're making at the moment. Um, we've recently um, somewhat partnered with LinkedIn on the job platform side, which we're incredibly excited about. Ultimately, LinkedIn, um, alongside ourselves, are wanting to bring more opportunities to youth, especially given how hard times are right now for students. Yeah. So that partnership, the integration that we're essentially making will enable students to access a you know, significant increase in jobs. Um, it will also enable us to be able to launch using our tech and theirs into new markets. Um, with much greater ease, which I'm excited about. So on the actual platform side itself, we're, we're excited. We're also about to monetize it for the first time. Wow, um, how'd you feel about that? Yeah, a little bit daunting, yeah. but excited. Um, I think, you know, up until now, we've taken that kind of standardized route of taking a small commission on jobs that go through the platform. But one of the big lessons we learned when dealing with a primarily Gen Z millennial based workforce is they're so used to communicating off app, but getting mm. them to come back and transact is very challenging. So, but what we have learned is we have an incredibly high applicant rate and we also have an incredibly high conversation rate from the business wanting to speak to all their applicants in their pool. So we're essentially launching our pro subscription service where we somewhat cap the amount of conversations one can trigger, but in order to you know, open up more conversations, like that dating mentality, the grass is always greener. You know, We want to push them to want to speak to more applicants. Mm. Um, we're also opening up to um, part-time, full-time and internship roles, which up until now, we've primarily just been freelance task-based services. So super excited on that side of the business. On the other side with Shout, um, we're currently building our own self-serve platform so that yeah. brands can tap into this vast network of influencers to run their own large-scale campaigns directly. Very cool. I think it's a super exciting journey. How big is the team now? Yeah, so we're now at 18 full-time. Um, and how are you finding that move from builder to manager? Uh, it's, it's been an interesting move. Uh, I think, you know, I'm quite natural when it comes to, like, speaking with the team members, obviously getting a good understanding of where they're at. There's been a lot of lessons that I've learned along the way in our early days. We, you know, lost a few employees because they either weren't happy or, you know, what they were bringing up weren't getting, you know, spoken about. Yeah. Um, you know, the importance of appraisals. Um, I think it's just important for everyone in the team to understand where they're at. But yeah. I feel incredibly fortunate with the team I've got. Everyone who's in it is, you know, in it for the long term. Um, they're all hungry individuals. They've all got incredible skill sets of their own. And I have no doubt that they'll help help Ollie and I take this to the moon. Yeah, amazing. I love that. And then we'll see you there because you'll be up there, right? hundred percent. I'll be, I'll be waving you from the ship. I don't know if I'm getting off, but I just want to go and That's see right. it. I want to Yeah. No, well, this is the thing, right? So I saw, so when Branson and, and Bezos and uh, obviously SpaceX, but I think it's a bit further ahead. Yeah. But when, whenever they, when they, because I think it was like a two month period where all three of them went in space. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it was yeah, like, it was a, like a race of space, space race. right? Exactly. And there's always this American billionaire that they um, always interview. They wheel him out every time someone's talking mm -hmm. about space tourism. And he's, he's from Texas. And I don't, I can't, I think he was just like oil, like traditional manufacturer, old school businessman, um, you know, multi-billionaire. And I think it was in the late 80s and 90s where he was like, fuck it, I want to go to space. Yeah. And this is well before <laughs> space tourism was a thing. So he paid at that time the Russians mm -hmm. who, you know, the Soviet Union needed all the money you could get and yep. he was trying to fund it. So now when we talk about space tourism, we're talking about you go up for two hours, you get a bit of like zero G, blah, blah, blah. 
the Russians did it in the most Russian way in the, <laughs> in the late 80s. And they took him to space for 18 days. They literally put him on the International Space Station <laughs> for 18 days. I mean, like, they went hard. Like, it's like, all right, you want to go try space? Like, do this. And every time they interview him now, and he's sitting there on this fuck-off ranch in Texas, <laughs> like the biggest house you've ever seen. And he's sitting there, and he just says, every single day I wake up and I think about my experience in mm. space. Every single thing that I do, like, and this guy has got everything anyone could ever want yeah. in the globe, yeah. but the thing that, you know, affects his life, the thing that he thinks about every single day, the thing that's changed his perspective more than anything, no matter how much money he's got, is going to space. So from my perspective, that's why I need to do that. No, I get it. Uh, you know, I heard a recent, uh, billion, another billionaire space story recently, one of um, uh, a brand that we're working with um, called Moxie. Um, they essentially, They've just partnered with Elon Musk. Um, they've branded the side of his next rocket going up um, in their branding. In no return, way. so Moxie is set up one of the founders of Atari, uh, Nolan Bushnell, as ah, one of the chairmen okay. on the board. Yeah. And Elon wants to play Pong against the creator of Pong from space. No so, way. <laughs> so, That's a very, that who would have thought Elon Musk would want to do that? Yeah, 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 100%. It's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> that's, so, that's, a bit, that's, a, that's a really cool story. Right, random. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, cool, I've got, I've got six questions I ask everyone that I want to ask you. Let's go. What's the single biggest risk you've taken and how did it turn out? I'd say, hmm. I'd say understanding when to pivot um, has probably been the biggest like, risk that we've taken. Uh, for many years before Unitasker was born, there was Unidosh, um, which was a student-to-student platform. And we found while students super hungry to earn money, very receptive towards taking on tasks, they don't want to spend it. And, um, you know, Ollie and I tried to get this platform trading for many years. Mm. We struggled. Um, and it really got to a point where, okay, we needed to take a sidestep, but we didn't know if, you know, taking that sidestep would result in anything greater. Um, and that's when we essentially decided to close down the Unidosh app, rebuild, but this time opening up the buying side to members of the public and businesses. Um, and this was like three and a half, four years in. Wow, so it was tough either, decision. Yeah, it was do we, you know, keep on what we're doing, but, you know, know that it hasn't quite worked and likely it's going to stop, or do we essentially quit with the initial, you know, idea, or less, I guess not quit, more kind of reposition it and come back. And it took us a year to come back to market. We lost every user we built prior. Wow. And we started from scratch. But I guess this time we started from experience. Uh, I'd say that was probably the biggest risk that we've taken. That's incredible. I think it's, it's a really, really brave decision to make. It's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to do. We did a real sport as well. We, we pivoted from traditional sports into esports and, and saw that side of the business grow. But it's it is one of the most difficult things. I mean, there's such a conversation right around pivoting. Yeah. I think you know it's so hard to know when to pivot, right? Like I think when you're a founder and you've come up with an idea, you hold that idea so close to your heart. It's your baby. So the idea of having to actually let go or take mm. even the smallest sidestep is often quite scary, but yeah. can be the difference between success and impending failure. Yeah, and I think what I've found is as you grow as a founder, mm. you become more in love with doing business than in love with your business. Yeah. And it becomes easier to make those decisions because mm. it's not actually about that idea being your baby, it's mm. about you know, the love of building and, and being able to make decisions from a slightly less emotional space as well. Yeah, I'd agree. Cool, second question for you is, what are you proudest of? Hmm. Honestly, um, it's gonna sound a little cliche, but 
I'm proudest of the difference that I'm making in the student space. You know, when Ollie and I set up this company, we set it up for two reasons. We never wanted a student to either have to A, you know, leave university because they couldn't afford the cost of living mm -hmm. or B, graduate without the experience they needed to go into their sector of choice. Like for us, that was change. In the past, you know, a couple of years, we've seen over five million pounds worth of jobs offered to students on the Unitasker app wow. um, and growing rapidly. So I think the thing that I'm proudest of outside, obviously, a team and how everyone works together and so on, but the change that we're making in the market and the effect it's had on a lot of students' lives. Amazing. Amazing. I love that. It's, it's you know, great to hear that you're so passionate about genuinely solving this problem. And I can yeah. only imagine, like, you know, we all had situations where we were either for ourselves or for people that we knew, like when a student is down and out, they can feel desperate. You know, they've Definitely. got so much to balance and it's genuinely making a difference in people's lives. 100%. What does it take to be successful? Depends on your definition of success. Um, and I didn't kind of interlink success with your earlier question of happiness, mm. right? Um, I think anyone has the ability to be successful in their own right. Um, but again, it will come down to what their definition is of success. Um, and to you? To me, again, kind of looped to my prior point, you know, making change. I think if I can have an impact on this world before I leave it, that will be success to me. Um, I also find success in other ways, you know, such as, you know, through the friendships that I've been able to build along the way, you know, the love I have for my family. Mm -hmm. um, I feel successful in terms of where I'm at currently in my life, but I don't stand that based on a monetary factor. It's more based on a feeling, if that sounds. Yeah, great answer, great answer. If there was one thing in your life that you wish you'd done differently, what would it be? Huh. Um, I don't think there's anything in particular. Um, and the reason I say that is everything that I've done across my life has got me to where I am right now. And everything I'll do from here will get me to where I'm gonna be later. Um, so I don't think there's necessarily something that I would pinpoint that I'd change. You know, naturally I've had accidents across the year where I've hurt myself that yeah, it would have been great not to, you know, do that. Um, but overall, I'm, I'm incredibly happy with, you know, the direction that I'm on. And I'm, I appreciate that sometimes you have to go through bad to get to good. Amazing. All right, my last one. 15 year old you walks in right now. What are you telling him? Keep going, trooper. <laughs> You'll get there. Um, you know, life is hard, that you're gonna have to be presented with a number of challenges along the way, but keep faith. Um, everything happens for a reason. And you'll, you'll be sitting one day next to Roy here, uh, having a great chat <laughs> about the future. So yeah, keep going. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate Thank it. Thank you for having me.